welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Ken Bolke of Sinbin.Vegas, covers the Golden Knights, about the Winnipeg-Vegas first-round playoff series that begins on Tuesday, and Philip DeSantos, head coach of Valor FC, will talk about their season opener coming up this Sunday on the podcast. Let's get some more insight now on the Jets-Vegas matchup. Starting Tuesday night with Ken Bolke of Sinbin.Vegas covers the Vegan Golden Knights. And Ken, I thought Vegas honestly had first place in the Pacific lockdown for a while. Uh, they had to make a lot of people wait, though, until the last second last night. Was there ever really any doubt that they'd get it done? I mean, there definitely was some doubt because Edmonton hasn't lost in like a month and a half. And the Kings were barely losing for a while there. Then they kind of fell off. But Golden Knights kept their pace the entire way and they did every single thing they needed to do and got to the finish line. So yeah, I, I agree though. Maybe, maybe wrap it up earlier next year, right? Going into the season, coming off of the disappointment of missing the playoffs last year, what were your expectations for this team? I was a little concerned with depth. I was a little concerned with goaltending. I wasn't sure how quickly they'd kind of figure out Cassidy's zone defense system. And it kind of all came together right away at the beginning. And then they went through a little bit of a stretch there in the middle where it wasn't as good. Uh, I kind of thought they were somewhere in between that. I've always thought they were a good team. I've never quite thought they were a great team Uh, over the past months. I'm starting to maybe believe more towards their being great. Uh, Some of the performances haven't exactly been as good uh, on like analytics and how it's how it's supposed to look compared to what the results have been, but they definitely overperformed my expectations, but not by some astronomical amount. I thought they would make the playoffs. I didn't think that they would win the conference, though. Mark Stone missed a lot of time this year, and yet they still finished first, as you mentioned. How were they able to get it done? Uh, a lot of it had to do with just kind of the style of play that they that they started to settle into over the course of the last few months. It's a very difficult style to play against in the regular season where they do actually allow the other team to have the puck. If you look at their Corsi numbers, they actually allow more shot attempts than they generate, which has been uncommon in the history of the Golden Knights. This year, it's been pretty clear all season long that that's been the case. But they keep teams to the outside. They make them work in the offensive zone, and then they like to strike in transition. They've always been a good transition team. And really, whether players have been in, players have been out, it hasn't had quite the same impact as it used to in the past because I think everyone's able to play that defensive system. And then for the most part this season, not all season, but about 55 to 60 of the games, they have had almost all of their defense core. So when that's been intact, they've been much more conservative in their own end and they've been much more consistent uh, when they've when they've had that. So I guess the Bruce Cassidy experience has been a pretty resounding success so far. Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, kind of putting in the the system that he's put in place defensively. I don't think it's really generated as much offense as there was there there was hope for. I thought there was a there was a belief that maybe he would solve the power play. That really hasn't happened. There was hope that maybe they'd be a little bit more creative in the offensive zone. That really hasn't happened. But they've definitely been better in their own end, better in puck management, uh, more consistent, beating the bad teams more often. I think they're doing all of that. So, yeah, I would say for, for sure in a first season, uh, at least the first regular season, he's been excellent. But, you know, coaches are judging the playoffs much more so in the regular season. So, goaltending. Who's going to start game one Tuesday? Is it Laurent Brassois? It is. It is going to be Brassois, yes. And we know him well here in Winnipeg. Was it 
ever your thought that he'd end up being your game one starter when the season started? Because the goaltending has been a, a pretty big carousel for this team. Yeah, oddly enough, I've actually, for most of the season, believed he was the best option. He was kind of injured for the beginning of the season and then went to the AHL and wasn't very good with a horrible AHL team. The, the Silver Knights were tremendously bad this season. And he was, you know, kind of getting beat up down there and not looking all that good. But my thought was always, well, you come up and play with the NHL team, he's going to be a lot better. I just think he's a little bit more of a steady presence back there. I think he fits the Cassidy system a little bit more. Saved that first shot, not all over the place. We see a little bit too much out of Thompson where he's all over the place. Quick is Quick's done. I don't I don't I don't understand the Jonathan Quick experience at all. I, I never got that in the first place. And then Hill just seems to have a little bit more of just a little bit more inconsistency compared to what we've seen from Bassois. So yeah, even though Thompson was the all star, Thompson had the great start to the season. I've always thought that the best fit for them would be Brassois, and then it kind of ended up happening, and maybe in many ways by default due to the injuries to everyone else. 7-0-3, oh, which is an incredible start for him. 217 goals against average and 927 save percentage. Smaller sample size than the other goalies, but by far the best numbers of them all. Quick's got the worst, and yep. they made that trade at the deadline to, to try and shore up because they weren't, I guess, sure about injuries, but... You're right. I think Quick's done. And if it comes down to having to rely on Jonathan Quick, that's not good for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, they'd be down in the series already, I would assume, if that were to happen. If, if Brassois coming out, uh, it would have to happen fairly soon for it to then turn to Jonathan Quick. I would imagine it would have to be maybe 2-0, possibly 3-1, and he's lost all three. So, yeah, if they, if they turn to Quick at this point, they're going to be in really bad shape already, let alone what it's going to look like with him in there. All right, so the matchup of Vegas versus Winnipeg. Your initial thoughts on how you think Vegas stacks up against the Jets? Yeah, at my initial thought was like looking at the 16-point gap in the standings and kind of understanding that the Golden Knights have beaten them three times. You know, we had the, it's a long time ago now, five years ago, but that series went pretty well for the Golden Knights and some of the players are still there on both sides. So my initial thought was, yeah, the Golden Knights are in really good shape here as long as Hellebuck doesn't steal it. As I've kind of dug into the numbers and the systems and kind of how things have gone over the course of at least recently for the Jets, I'm thinking it's a little closer than I initially had thought. Like basically all the metrics, the both of these teams are kind of similar. They're both somewhere between about 10 and 15 in just about every number, whether it's goals scored, goals against. If you want to go into expected goals or shot share or any of that stuff, they're all pretty much in the middle. And the one piece that the, the Golden Knights are real good at is uh, controlling shots from the outside and then penalty kills good for the Jets. And I don't think either of those really damages the other one all that much. So I think it's going to be a pretty close series. I do think the Golden Knights will win, but I, I don't think it's going to be quite the runaway that, that a normal 1-8 matchup would be. Now, we saw a crazy 6-5 game between the two teams back in December here in Winnipeg. I'm thinking it's going to be more lower scoring than that game, more along yeah. the lines of the that 2-1 overtime game we saw in late October. Is that what you're thinking, too? Yeah, I think I remember that. If I remember that game right, I want to say Hellebuck had like 40-something saves. Yeah, and 46. Kind of peppering them all night. Yeah, and it was kind of more of... It, it, it reminded me a little bit more of what the Golden Knights used to do more consistently to teams where they would kind of just suffocate them in the offensive zone. And when you finally get out, you just flip it into the neutral zone and in comes the next line and you're dealing with them. And it just kind of 
snowballs from there. I don't expect it to go that way for most of the series. I do think like any hockey game, you're going to get that from time to time, but I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to go. I think where the Golden Knights are really going to look to beat the Jets is out in transition. They're going to try to make life difficult for, for the entries, make life difficult to get to the inside once they get there. And then once the puck turns over, Golden Knights will try to hit these stretch passes, get in behind some of the guys that are pinching up. I, I know the Jets like to get their defense a little bit more involved, and then that's where the Golden Knights look to strike. And they've had a lot of success against some of the smaller defense scores. Who do you say the Golden Knights MVP is this year? Ooh. Um, that's a tough one because Eichel missed a lot of games. So, I mean, he's been, you know, obviously he's the leading scorer. He's basically up there in goals. But he missed enough, and then there was a little bit of that stretch where he wasn't all that good. I guess I would say, like, when he's not at his best, the Golden Knights are not at their best. So that is kind of in definition your most valuable player. It's hard to put it on stone because he's missed so much time and they were pretty good without him. But I think if you had to nail it down, I think it's Petrangelo. I just think the, the, the consistency and what they've gotten defensively, the minute load that he takes on, the way that he is able to help generate offense, both in transition and then inside of the zone, he's been pretty good. One of their only really consistent weapons on the power play. I would go with him just because of what the, the ask is on him, right? Like, I don't think it's the same on Eichel. Yes, he is the one C, but he doesn't always take all the defensive responsibility where I think every single night, the expectation is whoever the best players are, whatever the toughest situations are, we're going to put Alex Petrangelo in there. And so far this season, and basically all of his time outside of maybe the first 40 games when he was here, he's been that for the Golden Knights. What about Phil Kessel, the uh, NHL's Iron Man? He played another 82-game season what is he meant to the team, and and is he still an impact player? He he's had an interesting season because there, the numbers were there at the beginning of the year, but kind of the eye test told you that not really playing much defensively. He's not doing much of the driving of the offense, and and there was even some time there where I remember us looking at the lineup saying, if they get one or two healthy guys back here do they have to make the tough decision and, and, and scratch him and, and break that streak never ended up getting to that point. And then when they did start getting healthy, when, and then even when we started seeing some of the younger guys, Paul Cotter, Pavel Dorofia, Michael Amadio step forward, Phil has stepped up over the course of the last few weeks. And maybe you could even go back about a month, month and a half. Now he's been consistent. He's going to the goal. He's generating offense. He's still showing that speed where if you, you know, he's, he's smart enough that, he can get out there and, and grab those breakaway chances. And then he's done enough finishing them. I, I think he's been very solid. Would I call him an impact player? I don't think he's going to be the one that you're going to circle on the board in the locker room. But I do think when push comes to shove and you say, well, all right, who's going to score the big time goals in this series? It wouldn't shock me if Phil gets one of them. And looking at the the Jets point of view here, obviously the player that scares Vegas the most is Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he would probably be up there if you're if you're not taking him. It would be Connor, and and you guys know how amazing Kyle Connor is, but he's also been ridiculously good against the Golden Knights in his career. So he's the other one. But yeah, it, if if Hellebuck is amazing, it's going to be tough for the Golden Knights. It's going to be tough for anybody to beat the Jets. And if he's not very good, then it should be a fairly straightforward series for the Golden Knights. So yeah, he's the, he's huge on the other side. 
And, and just a question about the the atmosphere of hockey now, five years on from the start of of the Vegas experience. Is it still as fun to go to a game for fans as it was the opening season? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's obviously some of the like nostalgia that that was with some of the opening game ceremonies and those types of things that that were kind of it's unique the first time you see it or even the first 10 15 times you see it now we're up to 200 and it's not quite the same right but yeah i mean the building's still super loud uh it's still really engaged i'm 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 interested to see how many winnipeg fans come down because the building actually does a little bit better when there is somewhat of a of a rival fan base in the building maybe playoffs won't matter as much but yeah it's still super loud it's still super intense it's a fun place to go watch a game and, and it's definitely uh one of the best venues in the league still. Well, look forward to seeing how it looks when game one gets going Tuesday night. Ken, thanks for your time tonight. And maybe we'll, uh, if the season, if this goes the distance, might have to check in with you again. Yeah. Anytime you want to do it, I'm open to do it. This Sunday, Valor FC takes to the pitch for their season opener at York United and we welcome in front of the show coach of Valor FC, Philip DeSantos. Phil, how does it feel to be so close to getting the season started? Feels great, Christian. How are you? Everything good? Everything's great. For on our end, I mean, you look outside and it's not exactly soccer weather, but in Toronto this weekend, it's supposed to be 26 and maybe a bit of rain. That's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect weather. I think we're, we're getting there. It's going to take a few more weeks for us here. For sure. So... Uh, how do you feel things have gone in training camp for your club? Look on paper, Christian, things, things look good. You know, we're, uh, we, we like what we've put together. I think the mentality and the attitude of the guys, the, the way they approached the, uh, the off season and the way they came into training camp and, and the preseason indicators have been very good, but it starts now. And this is where we will be able to, to really measure uh, where we're at and, and, and see where the team is at and see how we respond. When you have so much roster turnover, and this isn't unique to Valor FC, a lot of teams have a, a, a very different roster this year than they did last year. How long does it take to build chemistry? I, I, I don't think there's an answer to that. You look at a, at a team like Atletico Ottawa last year who also went through a, a major change and, and they were able to get things going right away. I think it depends a lot on uh, the clarity of what is proposed to the players, but uh, also the characters that you bring in, um, guys that, that have been around, guys that understand what, what it takes to win and, um, and guys that w- are willing to, to put the team first and, um, and adopt what, what's being put in place. I think it helps. It makes things go a bit quicker. Uh, and I think we have that. I think that we look at, at the way the team is today and and how preseason went. I don't think that um, people would tell that it's a, it's a, a team with so many new faces. So that's that's a good indicator for us. We're happy about that. I think that, uh, you know, we'll have all the answers uh, in the next few weeks once we, we start rolling. For those who are regular attendees to Valor FC games, what's perhaps the difference the biggest difference stylistically they'll see from this year's club compared to last year's look i think there's a a a change i I wouldn't say in uh in in the approach but i just think that the the team is is athletically 
uh, I think, better prepared to cope with the demands of the league. I think that we're a team that is, has addressed a lot of, of deficiencies that we had um, with, with a bit. I, I felt at times we were fragile in certain areas of the field. Um, we've addressed that. We, we have players that are, are, are more dynamic, are, are, are stronger. I think that's evident when we, we look at uh, day one of preseason. It's it's a team we've we've brought in a lot of, of important pieces in key areas. I think that there's more versatility. There's going to be more depth. Uh, we're tested a bit right away from the bat with a uh, not not many not serious things, but a few preseason injuries. And uh, uh, but we're we're very comfortable because we've addressed some of of, of the issues in depth that we have we had. So. Um, it's a team that is is fast. Uh, I think that when we look at the options we have up top, players that are are aggressive in the way they defend, but also in the way they attack. They're very dynamic, attacking the space, and that makes for um, an exciting style of of, of play. So uh, it's something that we we didn't neglect. I think that we we looked at the trends of, of where the game is today, but then also where the CPL is today and. Uh, I, I feel that will be a team that's going to be exciting to see because we 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 see it in preseason. We see that uh, the guys have adopted the the ideas that we put in in place very well, and they're excited about the way the way um, the, the the game has been proposed to them, and that's uh, that's exciting for us as coaches as well. How much game action did? you get during preseason i know you had an inter squad game did you how many preseason games did you overall have we, we had overall we had uh four games we had four games we had three against cpl uh, opponents we had another one against uh trinity western in vancouver a university team and then we had our inter squad uh, there's teams that obviously because of where they are geographically have played seven and eight games but this is our reality uh, and I think that going into it and having four good games is, is already good. It's a long preseason. Uh, we would have liked maybe to have a couple more in there, but I think that we're, we're as prepared as we can be and anything can be at this point in, in time where, um, you, you know, you get, you get fitness, but not, nothing could replicate what, what a league game and the demands of uh, a, a real game uh, are. So we feel that that, match fit, fitness and optimal fitness um, and, and game readiness will be adopted as, as the games come along. So uh, we, we know that we're as well as we can be right now. The schedule this year is you're basically playing once a week, more or less, mostly on weekends. Definitely a change from years past where I think it was a bit more demanding. Is this uh, something that was talked about among coaches in the league to try and spread it out a little bit and reduce the demands? Yeah. I, I think it was. There's there's a few, you know, there's now the Canadian Championship. We start the first week right away with, you know, the trip to Toronto and then uh, a travel from Toronto to Vancouver to play Wednesday for the Canadian Championship. There's going to be a few windows. Uh, we can't forget that there's some guys that have international duties with with their national teams. We're gonna have a few in that in that situation. So the games pile up. It, it requires a certain management, but for sure, I think the biggest change is the fact that we don't have those big spells of three games on the road to come back home and play another three games. So the the schedule is more 
more friendly for, for teams. I think it's better for everyone. It's better for the show. Um, it's better for the players and, 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 and the way they're going to recover. I think that it makes for, uh, for, for faster-paced games, games that are played always at the edge of, of, of that aggression and that competitiveness. So I think it's good for everyone. And recently, the Canadian Premier League also announced a new playoff structure where five of eight teams will now get into the playoffs for curling fans. It's very much like a page playoff system where the best two teams have the best opportunity. They have advantages, but if you're a fifth place, you'll play at the fourth seed, and then the winner of that plays at the third seed, and then the winner of that plays at the loser of the 1-2 game. Do you like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to see. I think that... uh... You know, for us, we look at it, it doesn't change our goals and our objectives because I really want to bring a playoff match to to Winnipeg uh, and, and, and more. And I think that if you do aim or, or say, ah, oh, you know what, we sneak in and there's, there's that fifth spot that, that's going to help a team. Which one is it going to be? I don't know, but it's going to help one team. Um, that team won't play any home games in the playoffs. So we're not we're not looking at that. We're looking at a, a game at a time and, and, and winning the maximum games we can um, because we really want to, uh, to bring the playoff uh, games to, to Winnipeg. And I think that for us um, right now, we, and I said it multiple times to media, we're looking, we, we want more than, than just that. So yes, it's there. Um, yes, it's a way to get in the playoffs. I'll see how much I like it as it progresses. Um, so that's what I could tell you right now. I think that, you know, the, the, the best thing or, or what makes it um, the biggest change for me is how meaningful the regular season is, where you're awarded also a, a spot to the CONCACAF Champions League and, um, and a, a, a championship title. So I think that's the biggest change for me. Then playoffs are playoffs. Um, you know, how you get in and what you get to play that's going to determine to be determined by where where you're seated. So um, I really want to give Winnipeg fans a playoff experience. So for us, we're we're aiming uh, we're aiming aiming for more. We we want more. Awesome to hear, and, Philip. Oh, yeah, and Christian. Again, when we say this, it's you know I say it, and and I don't think I I speak like this often, but I say it because I think that. Um, right now, we're, we need to be ambitious. We need to be bold, and we've prepared the team for that. And you know, it's more pressure on us, more pressure on me. But that's okay. We have to we have to accept that it's the nature of the game, and and this is what we want as a team and as a club. Setting the sights high. I love it, Phil. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Best of luck this weekend. Thanks, Christian. Have a good one. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to